Croatia. Hey, if you've got your Bible, why don't you get it today? And uh, we are going to start together. Next week is going to be a first in America. It'll be the first time where, as Americans, we are celebrating Easter or the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we're not allowed to assemble together. You know, as much as I would love to be with our church family here in the building, I fully support what the government's doing to protect people from this sickness. But next week, it'll be online. We're doing our best to make sure we have an encouraging service for you. Invite your friends to join us next week. And uh, I think that uh, you will be blessed as I'm going to do my best to present the hope that's brought to us by the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Well, today we're continuing the series called Corona Crisis. And we are asking questions in this series, uh, we're asking spiritual questions about this virus. Last week we asked the question, what if? What if I got the virus? What if I couldn't find food? Well, listen, we learned last week that the answer is faith in God. Faith in God helps us receive from God uh, to meet our needs, and faith in God helps us endure difficulties. Today I'm going to ask the question, why? It is not a wrong thing or a bad thing to ask why. Why is this happening? What does it mean? Where is God in the middle of it? We're going to look at some possible reasons why. And we're going to look at the response to these reasons. If you were to ask medical professionals, people in the world of science, they'd tell you why we're having this virus. Most would say that it came from a meat market in China, a wild animal transmitted to a human being. Since that time, it's mutated a number of times, and now it's impacted the whole world. We're not looking for a scientific answer. We're looking for a spiritual answer, an answer that has just as great a validity as the scientific answers that are helping us deal with this crisis. But there are spiritual reasons behind pandemics, behind pestilence, behind crisis like we're experiencing. I'm going to suggest to you there are four possibilities as we look at from a biblical perspective and also I'll challenge you what our response should be. We'll talk today about the possibility of Satan's role in this. I mean, the Bible says Satan comes as a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he's behind this in some way. Uh, Perhaps it's the birth pains of the end of the world. We'll see what Jesus said. There's another possibility. It's quite drastic, but it may be that God is judging people. And the last possibility I'll look at is this crisis is a wake-up call for Christians. But whatever the reason, I believe God is going to use this crisis to literally cause millions of people around the world to come to faith in Christ and cause millions of Christians to evaluate their spiritual life and focus on Christ like never before. Uh, I've entitled the message, Why Is This Happening? And I want to encourage you, if you would take a moment and just get rid of any distractions. If you've got your phone with you or anything, listen, I do this all week long just like you, and the TV, I multitask and other things. I want you to take the next 25 or 30 minutes and turn that off. I believe I have a word from God from you. And my tone today is going to be different. If you have been watching, I'm posting Facebook messages, short videos, three, four minutes, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and the whole purpose of those videos is to bring a short, encouraging word from the Bible to bring comfort and strength in this difficult time. But my tone will be different today. If I could liken myself to perhaps what a doctor does, 
If I go in the doctor's office and I tell him, I say, Doc, I'm, I, I, it's hurting when I do that. And he said, well, don't do that. You're just getting older. And he makes light of it. But if there's indications in the blood test that it may be cancer, he's not going to treat it lightly. He's going to look you in the eyes and he's going to talk to you about some serious things. He's going to tell you to get some tests. He's going to tell you to do an evaluation to see what's going on. Well, that's the tone of my message today. Because, friends, we are in a global pandemic that is literally shutting down the American economy, shutting down the nations of the world. It is, in many ways, paralyzing life on earth. The unthinkable is happening. And, my friends, God is doing something in our lives and in the earth today. And I want to ask you to take uh, uh, give ear to me today. Uh, the first possibility, we'll talk about why is this pandemic happening. First thing I would suggest to you is, we want to see in the Bible is the devil behind some things that go on in the world like this. I want you to look at the book of Job, Job chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says Satan was in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says he left the Lord's presence. And notice it says he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. What do you think about that? The Bible says Satan struck Job with sickness. Somehow the devil is connected to all the evil that's in the world. Since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, all murder, sickness, death, and pain is some way connected to him. I want to encourage you today, friends, don't underestimate Satan's activity in your life. It's, we're not just going to blithely say Satan's behind it all and that's the way it is. But I want to suggest to you that he is involved in this thing. He may not be deliberately causing the sickness, but I can guarantee you this. If you're dealing with fear and torment, that's not God. That's Satan's territory. That's where he's trying to afflict people. If you've had suicidal thoughts, if you're struggling with taking your own life, all these type thoughts and fears, listen, the devil is behind these things. And somehow in this, whether a direct cause or an indirect Satan wants to get in this thing and steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning. But there is a response to Satan that the Bible teaches us about. It is to resist, and we resist by prayer. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded. In other words, be clear in your thoughts. Don't belittle the possibility don't be foolish, but be wise. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil. Now listen, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The Bible says then clearly, resist him. Well, the primary way that we resist Satan is in the place of prayer. If fear attacks you, if you discern that your sickness has a demonic root, if you're being tormented, if you're having suicidal thoughts, you begin to pray, my friends, and you begin to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says there is power in His name. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is power in His name. 
And sometimes when we fight things, we want to deal with them just on a natural plane. Listen, I'm for taking an aspirin if you have a headache. I'm, listen, I'm for doing things that are helpful to make life easier to bear. But there can be a spiritual dimension to this thing. And the way to respond to Satan when he's at work is in the place of prayer that we resist him. And the Bible says he'll flee. Now, the second thing, and these first few reasons I'm going to go through somewhat quicker. And it's the last one that I'll focus on, the message to Christians but the second possibility of why this virus may be happening is it is what I'm going to call birth pains. It is spiritual birth pains of the end of the world. You say, preacher, you're being dramatic today. Perhaps. Perhaps I'm just sharing the Bible. When Jesus was asked in Luke 21... He was asked to describe the last days. And if you'll read Luke 21, it's an entire chapter as Matthew 24 and Mark 13 that talk about what the world is going to be like in the end of time before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke 21 verse 10. Jesus said there will be great earthquakes. Jesus said there will be sicknesses. Jesus said there will be a lack of food. Jesus said there'd be fearful events and great signs that come from heaven. What are these? When we look around at the calamities around the world, right now there are plagues of locusts around the world that are decimating entire regions. And when you see things like this happening, when you see this pandemic, it may not be that the end of the world is tomorrow, but it is like a woman giving birth Everything's going great at pregnancy. <laughs> she's smiling. She's happy. She's laughing. But all of a sudden, something hits her. And as a man, I can't relate to this. But when that birth pain begins to start and she begins to go into labor, she knows an event is about to happen. And my friends, I suggest to you that, uh, that this pandemic is a birth pain. It is a precursor to the great plague spoken of in the book of Revelation. It is a spiritual wake-up call for people to turn to Christ, to wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ before it is eternally too late. And my friends, in as sober a way as I could tell you today, I would encourage you to see what's happening as what the Bible predicts will unfold in the end of the world. The Bible talks about bold judgments. It talks about the four horsemen bringing plagues to the earth. This could likely be a plague of that magnitude. The question is, how do I respond? Jesus used words like, watch out. Jesus said, be alert. Let's talk about it a second. Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34, first word out of his mouth, say it with me. Watch out. Watch out and don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. In other words, don't let your life be in such full-blown pursuit of pleasure that you're in denial of what's happening in the world around you. I'm reading where rates of alcoholism are drastically increasing, that alcohol is one of the most sought-after commodities. I understand. All of us want to dull our pain. All of us want to want to be able to forget a little bit. All of us want to get some relief. But my friend, don't dive into the world in the pursuit of pleasure and denial Jesus said, wake up, don't let your heart be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. There's a lot of us, listen, let's be honest, we're in our homes, we're comfortable, our refrigerators are full, 
We're doing tax returns. We're applying for loans. We're, we're, we're taking care of business as usual. And the kids are running around the house, and the worries of life are all that we're looking at. It doesn't mean that we're scared or worried, but I just mean the busyness of this world, and we're not seeing high enough. We're not seeing that one day Jesus Christ will return to this planet, that one day, listen, uh, that the world as we know it, friends, will come to an end. Listen, uh, Jesus said this is a wake-up call. Don't let the day, the second coming, catch you unaware. Don't let the second coming of Christ catch you unaware. The Bible says, like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. In other words, one day Jesus Christ is going to appear and everyone on earth will see him. Everything will be changed in a moment of time. Jesus said, keep alert. Be spiritually aware. Read your Bible. Stay close to God. Be in the place of prayer. Share your faith, Christian. Invest part of your resources to reach people. Let your life be lived on mission from God. Because one day, friend, Jesus will come back, and then none of this stuff will matter. Listen, I'm really missing turkey hunting. I'm enjoying my garden. I have all my hobbies and all the things that I love to do. But none of that is eternal. The money in my bank account is not eternal. What, uh, you know, the enjoyment that I'll have in life and watching a little television. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But it's all things of this world. Jesus said, watch and be alert because my coming is near. Notice verse 36. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. I don't want to scare you, friends, but if you read through the book of Revelation, whatever period of time Christians are here, it's going to be a difficult time on planet Earth. But my friends, you and I can find a strength in God as we pray, as we draw close to God, we can have a confidence that God will be with us no matter what, whatever we face on this earth. Let me encourage you in these birth pains, watch out and be spiritually alert. Now let's look at the third one. This is a very difficult one. But my friends, as we look around at this pandemic, God may be judging people who willfully and habitually reject Him. This third one is one that many people don't want to hear anything about. And again, as I read these, as I suggest these possibilities, I want to suggest to you that they are examples in the Bible of why plagues come on people. They're examples in the Bible about why bad things happen. In Noah's day, Genesis chapter 6, in Noah's day, it was a day that was not sophisticated with technology like we know today, but Noah's was a day just like ours. People had friends, they had girlfriends and boyfriends, they got married, they had jobs, they had fun, they had planted gardens, they went fishing, they were living life, but yet something was different. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. Don't you stop just a moment. The Lord saw how great wickedness was on the earth. We're entertained in our video games. We're entertained in pornography. We're entertained by movie and televisions through acts of violence, through sexual immorality, through stealing, through murder. We're entertained by some of the very things 
that God has judged the world in days gone by. I, I, I wish I could... When my wife had breast cancer, I remember going to the doctor's office. The MRI, uh, whatever, the test had been done, and they checked her the day before. And when the doctor calls you quickly after a test, you know it's not good. He looked at us eyeball to eyeball, and he told my sweet little wife, he said, you have cancer, and it's of an aggressive nature. He said, you need to seek treatment, and you need to do it soon. And we talked to a surgeon. By that time, people were giving me all options to what we could do for this cancer. And this surgeon was a Christian man. He said, I've been doing this for 20 years. He said, this cancer is of an aggressive nature, and if your wife doesn't have surgery quickly, she'll die. And it brought a somberness to me. And I wish I could bring a little bit of that somberness now. Not to scare you, but to awaken you to the reality that God is loving and merciful, but God is also just. And I cannot stand before you definitively and say every person that's affected or that dies is being judged by God. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is the possibility exists that through this it is a judgment of God. Let me keep reading. God saw the evil, the wickedness of the human race Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. See, the problem with what evil is has been redefined in America today. What we call normal and right, we have laws that protect evil acts that God in the Scripture has told us are wrong and evil. We as a nation, it's like we're spinning on a chair and now we're drunk, and we don't even know the difference between right and wrong. A horrible tragedy in Genesis 7, 4. God told Noah, in seven days from now, I'm going to send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I'll wipe from the earth, the face of the earth, every living creature that I've made. Friend, judgment is real. God is a merciful Father, but He's also a just judge. And judgment of the wicked who defiantly reject God is a consistent theme from Genesis to Revelation that culminates with the great white throne judgment in Revelation and in eternity in hell. What is the response, Pastor? If I am convicted that I have been running away from God, if I have been ignoring God, friend, the word is a biblical word is repent. It means to turn around. It means to stop the pursuit of, uh, uh, of sinful ways and turn around and begin to follow Christ. If you've been running from God, listen, I beg you, repent before it is eternally too late. If you're not right with God today, and we know it in our hearts. I'm a preacher. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since 1976. But I can allow a secret world to grow in me. There are things that you may think, well, that's not that bad. My friends, how many know a sin is a sin, whether it's a little sin or a big sin? And I don't want to live a life of rebellion against God. We know in our hearts, if God is nudging us in this, listen, I, I would encourage you with all my heart to turn away from your sin and follow Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. God is first and foremost merciful. But I want to tell you this, His mercy will one day end and His judgment is certain. Now is not a day of terminal judgment. Now is a day where the mercy of God is extended. 
And though my words may sound harsh, what I just shared with you about this possibility of God judging people for sin, it is possible that this is what we're watching in this world, in this birth pain. And it is a merciful call from God to turn to Him before it's eternally too late. You know what I think we are afraid of in this pandemic? We're afraid of something that we all know is one day we're going to die. If you read statistics about people that die from cancer, from automobile accidents, from, you know, the, the litany is long. It's way more than this corona crisis. But what this corona crisis is doing is it's making us confront our own death. It's making us realize that one day we're not going to keep living and tomorrow won't be like today. My friend, that is a, is a hard thing to face and it produces fear in us. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ can take the fear of death away from you. Jesus Christ can offer us forgiveness of sins. Listen, people die. They die because of sin. It's not the coronavirus. It traces back to the Garden of Eden, and sin is what causes people to die. But I want to tell you, there is good news in all this. Our sins can be forgiven, and we can find eternal life through a loving God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him, believe implies not just an intellectual acknowledgement, but an embrace of the truths of what He said and a commitment to follow Him. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, friend, we'll have eternal life because God doesn't want to condemn anyone. God doesn't want to judge anyone. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. But those that are defiant against Him, my friends, will one day experience His wrath. Let me tell you the fourth reason why this pandemic may be happening. And it's simply this. It is possible, my friends, that it is what I'm going to call a wake-up call. A wake-up call. Forgive me that I don't write very well. But a wake-up call, and it's to Christians. And it is a call to get serious. It is a call to get serious. Let's, let's read. The corona crisis is perhaps a wake-up call to professing Christians that we get serious and become committed followers of Jesus Christ. I want to read a scripture from you. It's from the church in Revelation. It's actually from the church in Laodicea. And one of the great interpretations in Laodicea is Laodicea is symbolic of the church age before Christ returns. Listen to these words. Revelation 3 says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, Jesus said, I know your works. In other words, I know the life that you're living. It's not just going to church on Sunday. It's not just, you know, having a Bible in your home. I know how you're living. I know if you're endeavoring to follow Christ with all your heart. I know if you're endeavoring to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you're not. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, like lukewarm water, Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, he's talking to Christians. Jesus said, for you say, now listen to the deception. I'm rich, I've prospered, and I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, and blind. In other words, when life is going great, almost unknowingly or unconsciously, God can be second in our life. Jesus wants us to love him with all our heart, mind, all our soul, and all our strength. But sometimes as Christians, I can grow lukewarm in my love for God. I can just go through the motions. And sometimes it takes a crisis to shake me back to the reality. So I run hard after God again. 
My friend, maybe you, maybe I, maybe our prayer life is on the low end. Maybe our Bible reading is pretty scant. Maybe we've not been sharing our faith for people and spending all our money on ourselves and doing little for God's kingdom. Maybe this is a wake-up call for us. Maybe this is a wake-up call for the rest of our life to live serious before God. Don't let the delusion of God's blessings make you think everything is okay. It might not be okay. Listen to what the Bible says, verse 19. Jesus said, to those I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. In other words, God disciplines you and I just like a father disciplines his child. I've got both my grandchildren with me today, and every once in a while, my two-and-a-half-year-old, or almost three now, he goes to timeout. And he's in timeout because Dad realizes that he's done something that's harmful to him. And Mom and Dad are quick to discipline in him when they see rebellion in his heart. Listen, they don't do it because they don't like that little boy. They do it because they love him. And I want to suggest to you the same loving God could have well put our life on hold. You and I could be experiencing the greatest pause we've ever known in life before as a way of God's trying to say, I want to be number one in your life. Jesus may be saying, I'm tired of the idols that we've built for ourselves and allow Jesus to be in the midst of them. Jesus is looking for transformed heart, people that will love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and in gratitude serve him with everything they have. You say, Pastor, could God really be disciplining Christians? Yes, he could, friend. Uh, If you were to read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, in the context of the Lord's Supper, it said, if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, in other words, the the rich were, were demeaning the poor in the body of Christ, it said you're eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. Listen to what it says. This may be why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. You see, sin opens a door to judgment, even of the Christian. Now, listen, we'll go to heaven, but it's a discipline that tries to realter our life, refocus our life, get us off the wide path and on the narrow path of life for God. This corona crisis may be God's discipline to get our attention and refocus our lives. Listen again as we think about God's discipline. I'm going to tell you, friend, it's not a comfortable word in today's society. And I know this is a very difficult word to say to you today. But my friends, I would do you a disservice if I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God. If I just tried to make you happy one more time and build you up and make you smile, listen, all that's good. But my friends, there's a somber, serious side that I hope you're grasping. Listen, Hebrews 12 says this, The Lord disciplines those He loves. Verse 10, but God's discipline is always good for us so we might share in His holiness. In other words, God's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to just punish us for punishment's sake. God's not an ogre in heaven. God wants something that's going to produce good in our lives. My son and daughter-in-law are trying to get rid of rebellion in my my, uh, grandson's heart. And if they do that, he'll be better off. Uh, as, as I continue, verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. I mean, it is painful. <laughs> if, if it's possible that this wake-up call, God is disciplining the church, it's possible that the uncomfortableness at home is meant to shake us from some of the things that tie us to this earth. 
as we would cry to God as never, never before. It's painful, but afterward, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Let me tell you what you do if you're feeling conviction. And conviction is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from the devil. He always makes you feel bad and he leaves you there. Conviction always points you to the cross of Christ. And conviction always makes you do two things. It makes you seek God for forgiveness, which he gives. But it makes you turn from whatever has led you into the way of the world. And that's what God may be doing. He may be trying to shake us so that we become more serious in our spiritual lives. Friend, I don't know about you, but I've been asking those questions about my life. And if they're true, I want to say yes to God. I'll close with this scripture. If God is disciplining us, what should we do? What should we do? And I'll go to a scripture that's filled with, it's an Old Testament passage, but we see it as how God deals with the people of God. God said these words to Solomon at the dedication of the temple. The Lord appeared to Solomon, 2 Chronicles 7, and he said to him, now listen to this, listen to the discipline. God says, when I, not the devil, but when I shut up heaven so there's no rain, I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence. God said, if I send sickness among my people, this is the response. If my people who are called by my name. So what he's saying is the crisis that the world of their day was experiencing, listen, the crisis was not just going to be solved by the world, but by the people of God. Listen, I'm grateful for scientists, but we can have a part to play as spiritual people. If the world is experiencing judgment, if this is a wake-up call, here's what you and I can do to see this thing turn around. And the first thing that we can do, my friend, is to humble ourselves. And to humble ourselves simply means to realize our need for God, to get off the thrones of our heart and let Jesus be Savior and Lord, to recognize that life is not all about me, but it's all about the Savior who set us free, and our life revolves around Him. God, forgive us if we've been arrogant or prideful. God, forgive us if we have been perhaps not the arrogant side of pride, but the, but the self-assured part of pride, that self-confident, that self-assured, that I can do it. God, forgive us. Help us realize, Lord, that it's in Christ we live and move and have our being, and we can't do anything without Jesus. Here's the second thing he said. If we'd humble ourselves, if we would pray, which is simply taking time every day, to talk to God. My friend, I sure hope you're doing it now because if you're not, you'll never do it. There'll never be a better time than today to block off a few moments of your life, a few minutes or whatever period of time and seek the face of God. My friend, I want to encourage you, if you're not doing it, start today. Whether you kneel at your bedside, whether you go in your closet and shut the door, whether you take a walk outside, but talk to God. Here's the third, the fourth thing in that scripture. If not only will we humble ourselves, but pray, but seek his face. What does that mean? It means that we're seeking God's will as the number one pursuit in our life. In other words, the number one thing for me is not Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization. No, the number one thing that God wants to define us is the pursuit of the will of God. Now listen, I can pursue the will of God and still have fun in life. I can still garden and turkey hunt and do all the things we love to do and enjoy life. 
Jesus said he came that we might have an abundant life. But if there's a little imaginary throne in my heart, either John Miller sits on that throne or Jesus does. And I don't know about you, but I want to step off and let Jesus be first and seek his face. Now, this last one is the biggest one. Not only humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, but turn from our wicked ways. Please listen to me. If we would stop doing wrong and start doing right. You say, Pastor, I'm controlled. I can't quit. I don't even pray about it anymore. Start praying about it again. Anything that we do that hurts the heart of God, that offends God, that causes our Christian testimony to be damaged, anything that makes our conscience grieved or pricked, could we humbly ask God to forgive us? Could we humbly ask God to help and break us free from this power rather than just joyfully go after it? My friend, sin has a price tag. It's death. And sin brings judgment. And sin is why Christ had to come to this earth. But if we do those four things, the promise is this. Then God said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. What the news is going to report is they're going to report somebody's found a vaccine. What the news is going to report, a pill is working. What the news is going to report, there's now an answer. There's more ventilators. There's more masks. But the unseen thing the news won't report is this, is millions of people will make steps to Christ during this season. Millions of Christians will get serious about the life that they're living. And that, friend, is what I'm believing that this is going to be for. So multiplied millions of people will get right with God. And that's what this crisis is all about. I'm, I'm jo I've joined a worldwide prayer movement called 714. I have set my alarm based on this scripture, whether it's 714 in the morning, a phone alarm, or 714 at night. And I take a moment with millions of Christians around the world that are praying for this very passage that God would hear from heaven and restore our land. Don't lose hope. This thing may knock us down, but with the help of Jesus Christ, we can get up and we can keep going. My friend, I want to pray today for you. But before I pray broadly for everyone that's listening, I want to ask if you're here today and say, Pastor John, when you were talking about that third point, God judging sin and you talked a little bit about people that were away from God doing their own thing and going their own way. Maybe you're here today and honest enough to say, that's me. And my friend, I can tell you, when I was in my late teenage years, that was me on steroids. But I realized that all those things I was trying to find happiness in, well, it was, you know, you know what it is. That's not the place happiness is found. Happiness is in a real relationship with God. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. But Jesus died so we could have a better life right now. And maybe that's what you need to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to turn your back on your sinful past and begin to follow Christ. I want you to just bow your head right where you are and say these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, go ahead and say it. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Go and say it. I'm, I thank you that you love me. Today I acknowledge that I've sinned. 
and I've done wrong, and I'm ready to change. Jesus, I want you to forgive me for my sins and to come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. And with your help, I want to live with you, live for you the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. That's a prayer like I prayed in a Navy boot camp on August 15, 1976. And I turned my life to Christ, and it was the best decision I ever made. Listen, if you, if you just committed your life to Christ, there's a number on the screen. It's 97,000. I want to help you. I want to send you something. I want to give you something to help you learn how to live this Christian life. Just type in the word to 97,000, restored. And you'll get some email links how, how, how we can help you grow in your spiritual life. If you want a little more information about Church on the Rock, just type in to that same number, 97,000, C-O-T-R. But I want to close with this prayer. And I want to ask you this question, and I'm speaking to Christians now. Of these four, what has convicted you? What change will you make right now? What commitment will you make to God? Maybe you are convicted because there is demonic activity going on here and you're not praying. You're not standing against it. and God's convicted you to pray. Maybe in these birth pains, the watch out, the be alert. Maybe that's been the farthest thing from your mind, the second coming of Christ. But you're going to make a decision today. I'm going to live for Jesus for the rest of my life. Maybe this idea of judging, it was a harsh one. And that's what we prayed about for just a moment ago with people that wanted to commit their life to Christ. It's the only way to escape judgment, through the forgiveness of God. Maybe you didn't pray that prayer with me a moment ago, but you can pray with me when this is over. And the response is to repent and turn around and follow Christ. But I believe the big one, I know it was for me as a Christian, a wake-up call, that I'm going to get serious about my spiritual life, and I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we are grateful beyond words for the love of God. We're grateful for the word of God that you've given us to show us the way into your path. And today I ask you on behalf of all of my friends that you would forgive us for what we've done wrong and that you would help us turn to the path of righteousness. Help us to be men and women of prayer. Help us be watchful for your second coming. And help us have a spiritual wake-up call that we're reading our Bibles, we're praying, we're serving the Lord. We're living the rest of our life on purpose because Jesus wants to be the Savior and Lord of multiplied millions of people around the world. And he wants to use me to help them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. I'm Pastor John Miller. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, and I'll see you again soon.